Hello and welcome to the All Bets Are Off podcast. My name is Ryan and I'm your host. Before we get into it, I really wish to thank you for checking us out and giving us a listen. Obviously, if you are here and you're having difficulties with problem gambling, perhaps pre-recovery or you feel that you're at risk or just at a really low ebb, then please, please feel free to reach out. Trust me, there are plenty of people on your side, including I, along with my co-hosts Chris, Kelly and Kish. There are also many support groups available, including Gamcare and Gamblers Anonymous, among many, many others. We are all one big community, and so anyone who reaches out automatically becomes part of that family. There really is just so much support out there, so please don't suffer in silence. We're in it together. Keep the faith. Let's crack on with the pod. Ryan here and welcome to episode number four of the All Bets Are Off podcast. Chris and I are in attendance. Later on, uh, we were due to be joined by Kelly, but unfortunately, uh, she does have a migraine, so get well soon. Um, But for now, we've got a very special guest for the first part of the show today, as we welcome James Grimes from The Big Step. Firstly, James, hello. Uh, Good to have you on the show. How are you today? Yeah, very well. Just been enjoying the sun, um, but pleased to be indoors to be able to talk to All Bets Are Off. Brilliant. Um, yeah, it's great to have you on. I know that many of our listeners will already know of you and a little bit about what, what you're doing. Um, there may be some who don't, so it's probably best to start there. What is the big step? When was it founded and how did it come about and what are your objectives? So the big step predominantly came from my own experiences. I'm a recovering gambling addict. I spent 12 years um, with an addiction that destroyed most aspects of my life, in all honesty. And probably similar to you guys, I understood that it wasn't my fault. And I believe some of the blame lies with the close relationship between sport and gambling. And even as a even as a child back in the mid 2000s, Gambling was so prevalent within sport that it created both normalization and glamorization of what we all know is a dangerous activity that should be nowhere near uh, activities associated with children. So with all that in mind, it gave me the ammunition to found a project called The Big Step, which was a is a gambling with lives project, first and foremost, and the They're obviously a charity set up by bereaved families of young men who unfortunately took their own life. And as drastic as it sounds, when I hear some of those parents talk, that could have been my mum telling that story. And that gives me that motivation, that drive, that passion to do what I'm trying to do through the big step. And the ultimate aim of the big step um, is to put advertising restrictions in place so football isn't so reliant on gambling advertisement and so children aren't exposed to gambling but we're also not naive enough to think that this is something that's going to happen overnight so our short-term aims are to try and uh, partner with as many football clubs as possible to put measures in place for people that are currently affected by gambling harm so we're about prevention but we're also about trying to help this current situation as well. And you've you've already started that um, with Tranmere Rovers, obviously. I think that's the the one that sort of springs to mind. Uh, tell us a, a little bit about that. So that came about from the uh, FA Cup Bet Three Six Five streaming controversy that you may remember. Um, their chairman, Mark Palios, uh, who's a great guy, he 
uh, took exception to it and th thought that this was probably the most best example of football and the gambling relationship reaching saturation point. If you had to place a bet to watch the FA Cup, then you know something's not right, and we've become so normalised to that situation that he made a stand and he he uh, wrote an art article. I got in touch with him, um, and from then we created an ongoing dialogue. And I'm pleased to say that he has allowed he and the club have allowed the big step to pretty much have an open door to what we want to do, and that involves awareness raising about addiction. It involves campaigning to change the current situation, and they're fully behind that. But probably the most important thing is about signposting people within their community and their fan base towards genuine addiction treatment through the NHS Northern Gambling Service, in uh, which there's a clinic in Manchester, but also to Gamban as well. Because I know people have different um, ideas on treatment and stopping gambling, but Personally, I, I think that if you can stop gambling with Gamban or GamStop and then you can get the treatment with the NHS, I think that covers a lot of the areas that, that are needed. And for Tranmere to allow us to do that is is really important. And, you know, they should be applauded for their bravery in partnering with essentially a campaigning project which tries to take away that income that they're currently getting from gambling companies through the sponsorship of the, the Sky Bet League. And I, I am so pleased that a club has done this and hopefully this will be where other clubs follow their lead. Absolutely. So, yeah, I'd just like to say on that, James, that's fantastic to hear. And um, it's great you've got me with Tramir and great to hear that kind of they're so enthused by it. And I love the fact that you're kind of signposting people as well to different um you know, ways to stop gambling and also to get that treatment. I wonder if you could touch on maybe some work you're doing with some other clubs and how you're getting a foot in the door with any of them. Yeah, so, so something I should have said earlier is initially the big step was about uh, walking to football clubs that have gambling-based shirt sponsors. And within that walking, we've obviously visited many clubs and we're up to uh, 14 different Premier League and Championship clubs. And every single one of them, bar... Uh, unfortunately, Chris West Ham United have at least uh, engaged with us and some of them have gone on, not to the extremes of Tranmere, but uh, for example, Derby County have allowed us to run a, an addiction and suicide awareness day on a match day. Incidentally, coincidentally, it was the, uh, the day that Wayne Rooney got uh, announced as a player with the 32 red deal. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, Watford and QPR are two clubs that are allowing us to try and um, do something within education and raise awareness and we're hoping that more and more clubs get the message that this level of advertisement is causing damage. You've accepted this money but it's come at a price and the price is harm to a lot of young people, to people like us and it's not too late to make amends and by partnering with people like uh, Gamban and the NHS clinic and others that will go a long way to actually helping people and we hope more clubs take that lead. Cool yeah and very quickly on that actually because you mentioned the West Ham thing because you know I, I met James actually when he was doing that walk and I met him outside the London stadium because I was working nearby there and it was really disappointing to see that West Ham hadn't engaged at the time. Um, I'm a Liverpool fan uh, but I'm a West Ham season ticket holder and my family have been for years. So I just want to drop in here, actually, that my, my dad's written a letter to Karen Brady recently, um, you know, talking about, you know, these very things that we're discussing now. So 
you know, if she ever gets to hear this, you know, love to engage, love to come and talk to the club and maybe we can uh, hook Jamie, James in on that as well. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, indeed. And uh, Chris, I have to apologise because when we arrived at West Ham on our 100 mile walk, I was about 15 minutes late, but my legs just wouldn't go any quicker, I'm afraid. <laughs> um, but just on that note, the uh, it's, it's interesting you say that because we're actually uh, currently getting political support from um, the local MP at West Ham, who's going to try and force the issue to get West Ham to actually engage with us and realise that the worst thing they could have done is just shut the door on us because we're not going to go away and they have to understand that their prevalence of, I don't like to name gambling companies, but Betway, the exposure to children and their young fans will be causing damage and by not engaging or having that conversation at all is completely the wrong message and I hope that this letter and I hope your dad's letter uh, has some weight behind it. I mean, I can't, um, being a Villa fan, I can't stand Karen Brady, to be honest. I, I would love to have her on the show, of course, uh, but uh, I can't speak on anyone else's behalf. Uh, but uh, especially now that I'm in recovery, I notice uh, advertising a, a lot more than I did when in active addiction. Uh, I guess it's because I was sort of fully submerged in, in, in you know, the, the, the whole thing. Um, but now, whenever I wear my Villa shirt, I sort of feel ashamed because I'm a, an effective billboard for a gambling company. And for eight straight seasons now, we've had gambling companies as, as front of shirt sponsors, you know, everything from Genting Casino through to 33 Red. And I think this season is, is W88. And whilst we were down in the championship, it was obviously uh, a lot worse having those chunky sort of sky bet badges on, on, on the shoulders. Um, what sort of uh, impact, I mean, you, you have touched upon the impact in terms of uh, the children. What sort of impact does that have? And, and secondly, uh, in terms of um, in terms of um, uh, in terms of when you when you go to stadiums, how prevalent are sort of, you know, um, betting uh, arenas, sort of, you know, uh, betting shops and such uh, as well? Well, I think in terms of what the damage is being is being done. We're we're obviously living examples of that. Um, with I can only talk for myself. Without a doubt, my uh, favourite team, Spurs, were sponsored by Mansion during the mid two thousands, and that's a website that I went on to use because that sponsorship created the normalisation, and I believed it was to be trusted. Because how could my favourite team wear a brand that would uh, would not be trusted and safe and I think that is still happening now I actually think it's got worse I recently went to a game for a BBC thing Derby v Stoke um, which is probably the epitome of two clubs that are plastered with gambling organizations and you know you take a step back from it and the fundamentals are there's children as young as four five six seven that are sitting there in front of stuff behind the goal saying sky bet betting better and 32 red on on the shirts and there's research professor samantha thomas from deakin university has done uh, some amazing work on this and this exposure is not about children then getting out the stadium and running straight to the bookies and placing a bet it's about brand loyalty and brand recognition and desensitizing to the risks of gambling and all of that eventually creates consumer intent so when they are legal age to gamble they think bet365 32 red are these safe trustworthy brands such as they think with mcdonald's and coca-cola and i know that there's there's no there's no excuse and i think that change is coming and 
take the ch- the child argument out of it, as you said yourself, for recovering addicts, I, I'd like to think you'd, you'd agree, I don't think it's fair to have to see such products associated with the harm that we've seen on our favourite football shirts. Like, in what other industry, in what other walk of life would that be uh, okay to, to do? I totally, totally agree. And uh, w- with regards to the um, with regards to the front of shirts side of things, um, is it a case of? Um, I'm, I'm sure you might know the legality of it. Is it a case now that children are? Uh, are I'm not, of course. You know, I I, to- I totally uh, empathise with where you're coming from. You know, seeing all of this stuff that we see when we're watching a game on TV, when we go to stadiums and so forth. In terms of wearing the kit itself. Are children, is it now illegal for under 18s to do that? Um, for example, with Aston Villa, they do take it off of um, junior uh, shirts. Is, is that the case with all clubs? Yeah, in, in this country, there uh, you can't buy a child's shirt with a gambling company, which is obviously welcome. However, um, children as young as the 12, 13 can probably fit in a small adult shirt. And if you're a child and you're playing FIFA with an Aston Villa kit with 32 red on it, you're not going to want to buy a different kit to that. You want the same kit as your favourite players. And, and if they can fit into one of those shirts, they will. And regardless of whether they're wearing it, as you said yourself, players are walking billboards and they, they're still seeing this. So that's why all these tokenistic little measures, for me, don't go far enough. You have to, If you accept the premise that exposing children to gambling is dangerous, then there is no excuse for it to be permitted in any form during, during football. Because... Children watch football. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, just a few days ago, James, we saw Bet Victor activate a, a break clause in its contract to sponsor non-league football. Um, they were down at Ishmian League level, which is obviously you know way down the football pyramid. Uh, Bet Victor blamed uh, increasing compliance restrictions, as well as describing the challenges associated with the deal as outweighing the benefits. They also said uh, that the escalating ne- negativity towards uh, betting in football did not help. Now, uh, to bet Victor have a point here, I guess uh, this is a multi-pronged question, is I I wanted to ask you, firstly, is it uh, by coincidence that these betting companies target, you know, uh, you never really see them with the the big six anymore? Is is it uh, purposeful that they target, say, the Scottish leagues, the lower leagues, and also uh, lesser Premier League clubs and certainly down the football pyramids? And are we now starting to see, based on this Victor example, are we now starting to see a, a real societal switch in thinking regarding betting in football? Are people getting annoyed with it now? I, I hope so. There's actually been surveys done to fans and uh, only 13% of football fans are happy with a gambling company sponsoring their shirt. And I think that just plays a- alongside the fact that people are just fed up with this amount of advertising. Even people that like a bet don't need Ray Winston's floating head before every kickoff of a, of a game. And that they are the people that you have to win over. And I think, as you say, the narrative is changing. With the Bet Victor thing, um, this is an example of, I would say, opportunism. So that they've seen that there's a group of um, football fans that will be accessing the, the Northern Premier League, the Southern Premier League website, and having that Bet Victor pop up there would be a trigger uh, for some. But actually, within that league, there's an example that I want to give a mention to of Lewis FC, 
Um, I'm not sure if you're aware what they've done, but they uh, had Gambling With Lives as a shirt sponsor. And I think that's such a powerful example that others, that others should follow. Th these are examples of things that you can do whilst this gambling sponsorship money is being forced upon you because there's no other choice. And and going on to the uh, thank you for that and and going on to is is it do they purposefully target these sorts of you know lower lower league uh, and and Scottish football? Possibly, yeah. Um, I think that there's a there's there's a narrative that suits them uh, at lower league level, and as you said, they can't get anywhere near the top clubs because they don't have that financial clout that insurance companies and airlines companies uh, company do. And at the end of the day, um, football is a product that is enjoyed by young, predominantly sorry, young working class people, and they're the people that are going to watch this level of football and they're going to watch it on TV. And that unfortunately. Those people are the same people that are most at risk of gambling harm. So the, these these gambling companies aren't mugs. They are they are sponsoring activities and teams and clubs and leagues where they know their customers are going to come from, and th that is why they attach themselves alongside, as um, Samantha Thomas's research touch on about brand recognition and brand loyalty. It all plays into that. It's all about creating this trustworthy, safe image of gambling companies. Sure. Uh, Chris, um, uh, have you got any further questions for James before we uh, before we go to a, a, a very quick break? Uh, to be honest, I think we should go to a quick break and then talk about maybe um, what the future looks like after COVID. Could we do yeah. that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, what we'll do is we'll go for a very quick interlude. And uh, after the break, yeah, we'll talk about uh, what does football look like after the uh, coronavirus lockdown. And we'll also uh, look towards what future, uh, what it looks like even further past that. How do we start getting these gambling companies out of football and uh, making sure that they don't have the monopoly on it? Uh, see you in a second. And welcome back. Um, we've still got James here from The Big Step. Chris, uh, have you got a, a question that you wish to ask James now? I do, actually, yeah. And for me, it's around um, after this lockdown, James, and we see the Premiership and all the other leagues come back. What, you know, what are your main concerns? What do you think is going to happen now? You know, clubs have lost out on money and that kind of stuff. So just wanted to know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I think we can see that football is getting closer and closer to return, if not already returned in Germany at the weekend. And I do have concerns because uh, the gambling industry, as we know for the last recession, is recession proof. And they are an industry that will be able to give money to football where other industries will have been badly affected because of this. And I think it's going to be too hard for football clubs who have been who will have been massively financially affected for the worst because of this to reject that money, which makes my, our cause even stronger and louder and the need to be able to tell that to football clubs. Um, but I also have a concern about gamblers themselves because gamblers um, and even casual punters may have got their football enjoyment out of watching it in a stadium or watching it at a pub with friends. If that is replaced with solitary watching, streams um, online then I worry that this advertising will be too attractive to them to try and replace that 
enjoyment and unfortunately then replace it with gambling. I think it's a twofold worry for me. The the idea of that sponsorship and advertising is not going to go away if if not enhanced and the fact that people that gamble already are going to be more susceptible and I think there's going to be, I saw some stats, I haven't got them to hand but I saw the amount of people that bet on the Bundesliga at the weekend has skyrocketed and that just shows that there's people that aren't just betting on their favourite club to add a little bit of entertainment. These are people that are desperate to gamble again. And I, I can see it becoming a, a, a perfect storm uh, for the worse, unfortunately. And it's up to football clubs to put principles ahead of profits if that situation occurs. And if, if not, I, I do worry. That's really uh, interesting, that, James, actually. Because uh, when you talk about that, I can picture myself back in the day. So obviously I go to football games and when I'm at a football game, I might put a bet on before. Back in the day, I might have put a bet on before or after and maybe the odd one in a game. But, you know, from sitting at home, I would sit there with my phone or with my laptop. You know, what's the next in-play thing that I can do? I remember one when John, John Joe Shelby came on for Liverpool and I actually won this one for a change. That's why it sticks in my mind. You know, he came on and got two goals and I actually, I actually won. You know, he probably came away with half hour to go and I've put that on because it's long odds, which is what I used to do. Most of them lost. That one sticks in my mind. And I definitely worry about people doing that now, like you say. So I think we need to be really mindful of that. And, um, you know, people out there, hopefully our listeners can think about that and think about like the, the online, you know, gam stop, things like that, gam ban now, think about that because actually, like you say, the casual punter could go down that slippery slope. Yeah, I agree. And it's not just up to as much as important it is for the, the casual punter to think about their own activity. It's not just on them. It's actually a responsibility of the industry to know that this situation might trigger this form of harm and it's up to them to put the safeguards in place to be proactive when it comes to gambling related harm and not just wait for it to happen and then act like they've done for so long and they know this is coming and they have an opportunity now to, to, to you know uh, put measures in place that are going to protect people and, and I urge them to do so. And in um, in conclusion, really, I, w- I wanted to try and find out, you know, where we are in football is is it, it, gambling seems to be uh, at least uh, gambling companies seem to be propping propping up a little bit. Would you say that football is 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 addicted to gambling uh, at this moment in time? Yeah, I think uh, I, I would agree. I think football is addicted to gambling money, uh, and I think actually the culture of gambling is so embedded into football, both fans and players. Um, that it's going to be very hard to break this inextricable link. And this is quite a defeatist thing to say. I think because it's so addicted to gambling, actually, you're not going to get football to stop this addiction. I actually think the best way of doing it is through regulation. And as I said earlier, whilst gambling companies are allowed to be one of the highest bidders for sponsorship and marketing, uh, I think they will be. So that's why it has to come as part of a new Gambling Act review, which tackles this issue. And I hope that we won't see, it won't be too long until we see football without gambling advertising plastered alongside it. But in the meantime, I won't wait for that to happen. I will be trying to talk to as many football clubs as possible and as many football fans as possible to use my lived experience and to highlight that this relationship is not normal, it's not glamorous, and it causes severe harm. And we need a big step of changing things. 
Yeah, I would uh, 100% agree with that. You've just sort of uh, answered um, uh, the, the question that I was going to ask in terms of what is the answer. And obviously, you believe that it's probably best to, to go through regulation. Um, in terms of, um, you, you do talk about this monopoly and in terms of what, what is there any other sort of rival industries that could uh, possibly sort of challenge um, the gambling side of things? Uh, would that be possible at all? Maybe, and you can only base it on history. And the most the the example that we can most compare to uh, gambling is the tobacco industry. And tobacco companies were prevalent sponsorship across uh, football and snooker and Formula One. And the same fears and the scaremongering was told then. People would say that these sports would collapse without this sponsorship money, and of course they don't. And also the the benefit of that is that people st uh, the, sm the smoking rate goes down people don't die from smoking as much and there's facts and figures to prove that and i'm adamant that doing the same with gambling would do the same and you know that there, there are examples if you can replace your gambling sponsorship with things that benefit people gambling takes away from the majority of people we need to start thinking about how football can be used to promote things that give to people so i saw last week harry kane as uh, paid for Leighton Orient sponsorship um, and donate and donated the space to NHS uh, carers and workers. Like, that's such that's an example of positive a positive vision of what football should be. And I, I I hope for the day that we see that across football clubs and in the football league. No, yeah, brilliant. And in terms of the uh, um, in terms of what you're planning on doing with the Big Step, lastly, uh, I guess this is uh, what I wanted to ask. Uh, what What are you planning with the Big Step post lockdown? Have you got any more uh, walks coming uh, coming up? Or yeah, so we it did come to a bit of a stall because of coronavirus. It's hard to do a hundred mile socially distant walk, I reckon. And uh, we got some real momentum in February because we finished our walk. Uh, by handing a letter into Downing Street asking for the government to effectively end gambling sponsorship in football and things were starting to get rolling and this tramway partnership happened and we're still looking to plan these events we just don't know how they're going to look but in the meantime um, I'm trying to just form as many partnerships as possible not just across football but polit political support as well and there's some MPs that have been really supportive of our cause and that's that's important because that change will come through them and at, at the end of the day we have a real good opportunity here to be one of the leading voices for change within football because the only messages that have been within football are surrounding responsible gambling and as as we all know and many people know these messages have been proven to have little effect and there needs to be voices in there like ours about how dangerous gambling can be and how, how pernicious gambling addiction can be and with that campaign campaign for change. Absolutely. And uh, Chris, I don't know about you, would you be down for, for a walk when uh, James organises the next one post-lockdown? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We'll get some good venues, James, and I'll get my trainers on, mate. We've only got, <laughs> the problem is we've only got uh, eight clubs left that we haven't visited with uh, gambling sponsors. So I don't think any of them are local to you, Chris. So you might have to walk to uh, Bournemouth and Brighton. How about that? Well, help, help me lose some of this lockdown tyre. <laughs> <laughs>
honestly, James, I, I could chat to you all day, not just about the big step, but uh, football in, in, in general. Once you start me off on, on football, uh, I can be here for hours, and I'm sure Chris is the same. Uh, I'd just like to, to thank you uh, for taking time to, to join us today, and obviously I wish you and, and the big step all the best for the future. Um, like I said, it's hopefully when things return to normal, we can obviously get involved and look to do something with you. For now, uh, for now however, unfortunately, uh, that draws us to a conclusion for part one. Um, so yeah, um, after the break, uh, we'll be going through some questions um, which our listeners have sent in to us. Uh, so see you in a little tip. So here we are on a quick break. This is the part of the show in which I ask our listeners to go give us a follow over on Twitter. Our handle is at allbetsareoff underscore. You can also go and check out our website www.allbetsareoff.co.uk which has much more information about the pod and the team behind it. Along with that there are also some useful links to various charities and support services in this particular sector. It's now time for part two. We're back for part two of today's podcast with Chris and I, and we're going to explore some questions that have been sent in by some of our listeners. And among them, there'll be a couple of names that I'm sure you will have heard of seeing just how prevalent they are in the world of recovery and battle for positive industry change. All three of which were sent an all bets are off branded mug earlier in the week. So well done to all of them. Uh, the first question comes from a Steve Ramsey who asks, when we see an increase in terms used such as anti-gambling and prohibitionists, etc., from the industry to describe those pushing for safer gambling, do you believe some of the narrative and content being used is actually harmful for the safer gambling cause? Okay, I'll take that one first. Um, yeah, firstly, thanks for that question, Steve. Um, it's a great one to get started on, actually. Um, I can only talk about myself based on my personal feelings and thoughts, really. Um, and yeah... I think these terms can be harmful. Um, take me, for example. I'm an, individ- I'm an individual and I suffer great harm due to gambling disorder. And as such, you know, people might assume that I should be anti-gambling. You know, I think all gambling should be banned. It should be illegal as it was, you know, back in 1960, 61, until then. Um, and, you know, why shouldn't I feel like this? You know, I played on Kasumo that last night when I was gambling. You know, I deposited £22,000 in two hours and 11 minutes. They took her year's wages from me in eight days and I was feeling suicidal um, and that was financed by a loan and I'm still paying it all off. But am I anti-gambling? No, I'm not anti-gambling at all, actually. Uh, I mean, a lot of people I know, they still enjoy gambling. 99% of people who gamble lose. But, you know, they're not spending their mortgage money, they're not losing their family or possibly even their own lives through suicide. Um no, so what I want is a properly regulated industry. You know, let me be very, very clear. An industry that is not self-regulated. Uh, you know, people like myself should be able to feed into the safer gambling message, I think. Um, the message in my mind should be that, you know, the majority of people who gamble will lose their money. Uh, but, you know, that's okay if they're doing it for leisure and they understand, you know, that they're unlikely to win. And if they do win, you know, it's just, it's a bonus. It's not the norm. Um, but what the industry needs to do though you know it's protect those like me who can't use gambling as a leisure activity Uh, they need to act quickly to identify people like me who gamble because of addiction because they don't know how else to cope with life Um, gambling companies should be looking out for these indicators and acting upon them really quickly you know i want gambling companies to look at affordability up front 
you know, online, for example, don't take my money unless you know I can afford to lose. This should be standard practice. And for the vast majority who gamble for fun, they, they you know, they still could. Um, however, for someone like me, it will mean I won't spend my annual salary in eight days, which quite clearly isn't affordable. Um, yeah. So I guess to wrap up, no, I'm not anti-gambling. But if anyone working in the industry is listening to this, then please reach out to me. You know, let's make gambling a sustainable, fair industry that looks after those who are disordered gamblers or at risk of becoming a disordered gambler, you know, and make the experience enjoyable but safe for those, you know, who can play purely for entertainment, which I can't. Yeah, thanks, Chris. On, on a personal level, I do think that uh, some industry chiefs that uh, may be more inclined to protect the operator, certainly more so than the, the consumer, you know, they can be quite antagonistic and in some instances uh, rather inflammatory towards those of us that would like to see what we perceive to be positive change and, and rules and regulations that will naturally lead to safer gambling and of benefit to society as a whole. Uh, this would lead to much fewer children gamblers and allow parents to concentrate on actual parenting and spending quality time with their children rather than having this burden of responsibility imposed on them by the industry to fulfill what they can and can't see. Uh, there would be more more money left over for families to treat themselves and subsequently that money may also indirectly go into other taxable areas so the treasury won't be missing a dime. Um, we would also see a reduction in crime uh, that are linked to disordered gambling such as theft and fraud. Uh, besides my theory is that the more preventative tools that there are in place as Chris touched upon then the less of the spends needs to be in programs and aftercare. Uh, that's assuming that we see a switch in behaviours as expected. What gambling operators need to understand is that there is ample space and profit to be made uh, in the, uh, to, to, be, to, to be had in the gambling spectrum, even if they uh, do it responsibly and by fair and safer practice. Currently, there are far too many discrepancies, uh, grey areas, and in some cases, rather overt rule breaking and wholly unethical gains. And if what I've seen is, is misinterpreted, misinterpreted as being uh, prohibitionist by those people that dish that term out, you know, seemingly indiscriminate, indiscriminately, then all I can say is, is balls to them, you know, go back to school, uh, understand the definition. Um, but yeah, that's that's my own personal take on things. Now, um, on to the next question, Chris, um, which comes from Alex Macy of the Gamvisory Group. Uh, he asks, do you believe that there is a correlation between the industry and industry arms, YGAM, GAMCARE, etc., and that the emphasis on personal responsibility is a deliberate attempt to deflect from accountability and responsibilities of the industry and the regulator? Mm, yeah, cheers, Alex. I mean, that is a cracking question, uh, that one. And you know what? It's not easy for me to answer, really. Um, I mean, firstly, I hope that it isn't a deliberate ploy to attempt to de deflect from accountability and responsibilities of the industry and the regulator. Um, what I do know is that as a gambling addict, I could not be personally responsible for my actions when I was gambling. I couldn't set time limits, for example, because I was an addict and I gambled to inflict harm on myself. I wasn't gambling for fun. I was gambling to punish myself for being worthless. That's how I felt. So the industry should be intervening in these situations and in situations that are far less drastic than mine, to be honest. Um, the industry shouldn't be waiting for their clients to slip into becoming a disordered gambler. They should be far more responsible and should have a duty of care to players. Um, far more should be and can be done, to be honest, to reduce gambling harm, I think. 
Um, you know, what I'll say about um, GAMCare is that, you know, I know people who have contacted them and GAMCare have given them information and they've helped them and, you know, they've helped them on their path to recovery. So, you know, that's great, you know, and I've, I've got personal experience of people telling me that. Um, I don't know too much about uh, the Young Gamblers and Education Trust yet. Um, I do know, though, that they're working with GAMCare to deliver a national education programme highlighting anti-gambling, sorry, highlighting um, gambling risks. Um, so this is supported by the Betting and Gaming Council as well. So, yeah, I haven't seen the content of the education programme. So, you know, what does it cover? Um, I'd love to see this. So, And this is genuine, you know, uh, Lee Willows, you know, please send it through to me if possible. I'd love to see it, you know, or if you could arrange a session that I could come along to. Um, That'd be great. I'd love to see what's in this program. And, you know, this really is a genuine request from me. You know, um, once I know what the education program covers, you know, then only then can I comment on whether in my mind it's fit for purpose from the eyes of someone, you know, both with lived experience and someone who's a father of an 11 year old son. Um, and I guess actually not, you know, another question from me to Lee here, actually. Um, if once I have reviewed the contents of the program and other experts by experience, of course, you know, get the same opportunity, Will we be able to feed back our comments? Um, and if so, you know, what would the um, process be by which the education programme can then be amended? You know, what will the governance be around this? You know, who will have the final say on what should and shouldn't be included? So, yeah, I mean, oh, the last thing, I guess, you know, I'm really interested to know who has reviewed the content of this training programme, you know, from an independent viewpoint, really. Um, that, you know, I think that's really important. It, this needs to have some independent um, vigor over it, you know. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's answered your question, Alex, to be honest, but um, it certainly got me thinking and hopefully Lee will get in touch with me soon and, you know, I genuinely welcome um, some discussion. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree there, uh, Chris, in terms of uh, independent sort of, um, you, you know, review and, and viewpoint um, on that particular programme. Uh, I think the problem that I have is that I'm always suspicious of those so-called so uh, industry arms, as Alex refers to uh, to them in this question. Outwardly, operators and many of those overseeing their practice or indeed governing them appear to have a real intolerance towards people like me or anyone else who believes much more can be done in terms of reducing gambling-related harm. Uh, and so when you've got certain councils promoting their undoubtedly good work and pledges and proudly announce working alongside X and Y. I just can't help uh, the supposed benefactors uh, may receive a condensed version of said proposal or workshop. And I think that's basically what Chris has touched upon, you know, and that's why it is important to, to, to get that sort of independent viewpoint. Likewise, and, and, and for the same reasoning, really, I can't help but feel that they are doing it for an ulterior motive and keeping up appearances rather than with sincerity. Uh, there are far too many egos and uh, blinkered visions for my liking. I, I wouldn't wish to comment on organisations or, or individuals for that matter, as I don't think that this is the platform for me to do it, certainly not right now. That said, I would always happily have someone on from uh, the other side of the fence, so to speak, and, and obviously they can you know, air their point of view. Um, as this was a, a two-pronged question, from Alex, do I think the emphasis on personal responsibility is a deliberate attempt to deflect from accountability and responsibilities of the industry and the regulator? Uh, I would say absolutely, 100%. As I said in a tweet 
just last week. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll quote that rising figures in problem disordered gamblers among minors is not down to a conscious societal switch or parenting on mass. Furthermore, the systemic rise in disorder gambling per se cannot solely be down to society or individuals. The narrative needs to change and the operators and those that govern them need to be asking themselves what behaviours are we exhibiting as an industry to cause this increase and how can we alleviate the situation? Uh, putting a load of money into aftercare uh, certainly uh, just won't do the trick. Um, so that's my uh, that's uh, my, my answer to your question, Alex. I hope that uh, sort of su suffices. Um, but uh, yeah, it's one to definitely uh, uh, chew over. Um, lastly, Chris, our third question comes in from Nick Phillips, who um, you know I listened to a few weeks back on uh, a few weeks ago on S uh, Swansea Sounds. He asks, "Where do you sit with working with the industry, and do you think you will positively get your voices utilised in the right way?" Actually, yeah, I listened to Nick a few weeks ago on Swansea Sounds as well. It was a great listen. You know, I uh, I shared the link with my family and friends, uh, people in GA as well, actually. Um, so firstly, you know, I'd like to thank Nick for all the work he's doing in this space. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, for me, though, collaboration is really important. Um, by finding those in the industry who want to collaborate, I, I mean, I suppose finding those who want to collaborate is a difficult part. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Um, but, you know, that's OK. It doesn't put me off. Um, hopefully by sharing my experience and building a network in the experts by experience community, I'll find a way in, uh, uh, you know, and I'll help where I can. Um, I've just been approached actually by a, a betting company, casino company earlier this week to discuss some safer gambling um, stuff with them, you know, and I've accepted that offer. So I'm looking forward to that um, and we'll see what the outcome is. Um, I guess I'm yet to find my niche though and what I want to do, I guess, you know, we had James on in the first half of the episode. And he's found his niche area, you know, he set up the big step, you know, I like to think maybe I could help him with that in the future. And, and I, knew, I know that Nick actually has done some stuff um, with James down at, at Swansea, uh, their football club down there. Um, for me, though, I think my future in this space could be maybe in one of three areas, education for youngsters and the vulnerable, maybe, or, you know, helping others in their recovery, or maybe in healthcare. Um, so regarding, what did I say? There? Yeah, so education yes yeah, so regarding education you know i've been in touch with some local schools some charities um and there could be some opportunities for me to speak to students and teachers um you know it's early days there but you know i'm up for it and uh, you know if i can get it arranged i'll certainly be i'll certainly be doing it and i look forward to doing it um because we know you know talking earlier on about the normalization with kids you know it's important that youngsters know about this stuff um and I guess with regards to helping others in recovery, that's something I try to do every day. You know, and obviously this podcast is hopefully doing that. Um, but I'm also part of an amazing initiative called Peer Aid Support. Um, I'm sure we'll touch upon that in more detail in one of our future episodes, actually. But um, it's amazing. It's run by Bet No More. Uh, and fingers crossed, my training course will start on the 6th of July. Uh, I can't wait to do that. So it's amazing to get this opportunity um, to help other people. That's really what I want to do. Um, but with regards to healthcare, um, you know, I hope I can use my lived experience there too to help GPs understand uh, gambling disorder better. Um, then to help them put a plan of action in place, maybe to help those suffering with gambling addiction. Um, and I'm actually in the process at the moment of setting up an initial session with a local healthcare trust um, near me. Um, and I should be having an initial discussion with around about 200 or 300 GPs. Um, and then when that's done, we'll see where it goes from there. So, yeah, thanks, Nick. That's me done. Uh, thanks, 
Chris. Um, yeah, and I'd just like to echo uh, what you were saying about Nick. Um, obviously, he's very prevalent in in the uh, recovery process, and and thank thanks for for for, for what you're doing, and uh, you know, um, continuing do, doing what you're doing. Um, obviously, uh, Chris and indeed Kelly. Uh, going to your question, Chris and, and indeed Kelly would usually be here with us. Are much more prominent in the recovery community and have utilised their experiences to good measure in terms of the fight for positive change. So hats off to both of them for that and I'm sure that each of us as individuals will do our thing in terms of what we uh, think to be right and continue doing outside of the podcast Uh, principally I would say that all of our thought processes are in line to a certain degree. Um, for me personally, it's a it's a little bit more difficult as I'm still very much in the infancy of my recovery, and I wouldn't wish for it to come across as that I'm batting above my station. If that makes a, a great deal of sense, I'm still in anonymity uh, as well at this moment in time. Uh, for the podcast, it's a little bit of a, a, a tough spot as we market ourselves as a, a gambling addiction recovery podcast, and so we wish to try and get the right balance between hearing people's stories which is always of great benefit. Take Ben and Owen last week and the upcoming episodes too, in which we feature family members of former active disorder gamblers. Um, Whilst we're also uh, half peddling this sort of political line in which we want uh, gambling safer for consumers and society as a whole. Uh, As I said in my response to Alex's question, the podcast would happily have a pro-gambling person on the show so that they can have their say too. Uh, We're open uh, to to that sort of dialogue. All told, uh, I know that I personally, or whether it be under the guise of the podcast, would be happy to work with the industry, uh, but um, only if they show a, a wanting to listen and and to learn indeed Uh, and I'm sure that goes sure that goes both ways um Obviously, thanks for, for, for all three of those questions. Uh, unfortunately, um, that draws us to a close this week. Uh, but before we do go, um, you know, we will have our hero of the episode feature um, and a, a quick word from uh, Chris. Uh, how do you think this week has gone, Chris? I've really enjoyed this week. Uh, fantastic hearing from James in that first half of the episode. Um, really got me thinking. And, you know, I just I'd like to thank him for the work he's done so far. Um, and thank those clubs who are already engaging with him, and I hope more will soon. Um, and yeah, getting these questions was interesting. Slightly different to normal. Um, bit of a challenge, actually. It's been quite fun answering them. And uh, I hope we have managed to answer the questions. Um, and I hope the listeners enjoyed it. And I'll look forward to, I wasn't going to say next week, but I think next week is our episode that Kelly is hosting on her own. So I won't be here. So see you all in two weeks' time. Yeah, that's that's right. And obviously, uh, from Chris and I, Kelly, you're probably listening to this. We hope you get well soon. Kelly is due to be hosting next week with uh, the women's special. So uh, there will be a panel of guests on um, uh, joining Kelly, all all women. Um, so I really look forward to that. Um, obviously, yeah, I, 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 I'll touch on what you said, Chris. It's very difficult to answer these sorts of questions off, off the cuff. Um, so, yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you for doing that. Um, it was obviously fab to have James on from the big step you can go and check them uh, out on www.the-bigstep.com and on twitter at the underscore big step i know many of our listeners will already be following them as well uh, it was good to get some questions as i say answered uh, for our listeners too. Uh, make sure you enjoy those mugs that we sent out um, i've still got a few a few more to give away yet i have promised uh, i have promised james one as well so uh, but yeah don't forget to stick around for our hero of the episode and And um, yeah, catch you all in a couple of weeks time. It'll be Kelly's turn to host next week. Thank you and goodbye. 
In keeping with our earlier discussion, this week's hero of the episode is Tottenham and England star Harry Kane. Now, I know that James happened to mention him earlier, which was purely coincidental. Uh, We had already selected him as our hero of the episode prior to that. Now, last week, Kane announced that he had bought the shirt sponsorship for League Two football club Leighton Orient, for whom he had a stint with back in 2011, when he was finding his way in the world of professional football. It's initiative such as this which means that football clubs are not forced to shake hands with gambling companies for front-of-shirt sponsorship money. Instead, Leighton Orient will advertise charities of Kane's choosing, uh, including mental health charity Mind, which is uh, obviously just brilliant to see. Well done, Harry.